0: you're listening to the deadly uncle podcast
1: a safe space for deadly uncle conversations hey
0: everybody i hope you're ready
1: for a great episode we've got marshall valley Marshall valley
0: yes all the way from guy Nye and you know what a wonderful person and actor um i've had the honor to work with and i'm just excited for you to meet
1: yeah stick around great episode coming up
0: uh, talk to us about your life and how you grew up
2: uh such a broad question i love it uh, <laughs> we're just, And we'll, uh, we'll kinda, we're just gonna we'll skip kinda... all the small talk and and, and and cut straight to the trauma, aren't well... we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> not, trauma. not so much the trauma Jeez. but just tell us about you know your tell us about your journey and what makes you you because you're you're honestly to to be honest this is just you're one of the best actors I've ever seen live. Uh, what you do with your with your your art is just amazing. Like honestly, oh, I, I'm not just saying that because we work together, which I was lucky enough to you know be beside so many people that went to school for it and the whole thing. but you know to get to you where you where you're at, I'm sure you know it takes a life, lifetime of, of what you do with the arts, man. it's just amazing.
2: Well, geez, that's so nice to say. I'm just blushing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, it's been, uh, yeah. Wh- where did I, okay, I. where should I start? Well, um, my name is Marshall Vial, my pronouns are they, them, and I grew up uh, in Ghana, uh, which is part of the Blackfoot Confederacy, uh, down south uh, towards the US border and i've been living in against here uh in calgary for the last five years just being a theater artist i grew up on the res um always being really extra and um putting on <laughs> lip sync shows in my living room for all my aunties and my grandma and my mom and um decided that i wanted to go into the arts I, i've always been a very creative person um and then you know i i uh people always ask me about like, oh, like, when did you know that you wanted to become an actor? When did you know that you want to be on stage or all that stuff? And I just feel like I've always just like, I've always just liked um, having all eyes on me um, and just like making (laughs) it as well. Um, And so I was like, yeah, like it's just been since I was very, very young. I used to, whenever we would watch TVs and stuff, you know, we we would see commercials come on um, and I would just like repeat them. Like, it'd be like, no matter what it was, if it was like a herb herbal essence commercial, or like you know, like just anything that had like a bit of like a song, I was always just like you know finding ways to like you know just just say that all the time. And so, I, so I just always very loved the idea of like entertaining others and um, just like acting and you know just uh, you know tapping into other worlds and stuff. And so that's kind of how I feel like I, I became or wanted to become an actor. And so I went to school at the U of L. Uh, when I was 17 I um, finished uh, school um, on the res and so I went to the U of L in Lethbridge and when I started I was actually like an English ed student so I I wanted to I wanted to study to teach um, and I was I I thought that I wanted to teach English at the time and um, kind of needed uh, some an extra push I think to get out of my shoes you say so many nice things about me being really awesome after, but I'm really shy in like many ways as well. So like, it's nice to, um, to hear that feedback because, you know, it's just, yeah, I'm, all, I've always just been very, very shy as well. Um, I didn't actually start, um, acting until like towards the end of my first year, I, um, I, by the end of first year, I switched over to drama and I was in drama ed and then when I got to third year, I, it was time for me to, um, apply to go into the ed program. And I realized that maybe I didn't want to um, teach I, or teach drama or teach English or anything. I wanted to find ways to use performance as a tool to teach. I wanted to use acting as a tool to teach. So I I decided to do that. I decided to leave my my dream of wanting to go into education behind and entered the world of acting. And so that's what I've been doing for the last five years since 2017. Um, moved to the city, did some shows, um, and then yeah, it just it just kind of all started to roll out. I I think I got started acting at like a really good time. I think a lot of folks are really open to like seeing different bodies and different um skin tones on stage. And so it was mm-hmm. just it's been really nice that like um I, I feel like I'm just I I'm all about like how could I use theater uh to build a foundation of understanding and how could I use my tools as as an actor and as a drag queen to act as a player of support for folks as well. And it's it's been nice that um Folks have been really, really kind um, in many different ways and stuff. And and, and any time that I get to, you know, be on stages, um, it just it brings me lots of joy. So yeah, and that's where we met. We met um, doing doing the Quest show uh, back in I think it was 2019. Now oh my gosh, it was so long ago.
0: Wow.
2: Before the flight flies. <laughs>
1: question for you, but before I ask that question, the camera's
0: not moving. Okay, okay. let me let me just uh, adjust this camera here.
1: That was my segue to get him to fix the camera.
0: Beautiful. There <laughs> we go. Be
1: now. Yeah, it's moving now. Is it? okay.
0: Yeah.
1: So when Kurt sits down. Okay. All right, Marshall. You said you uh, <laughs> you moved to the city in uh, 2017. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like for you? Because you grew up on the reserve, and what was it like? Moving into an urban center, and you know, like, what was it like initially when you first moved to the city? Did you find that you had supports for you to, you know, to kind of get used to life in the city? Or
2: yeah, well, like when I moved to the city uh, for the first time, when I was uh, leaving high school, I, I moved from the Blood Reserve to Lethbridge, and I was only seventeen at the time, and I was living all by myself, and. Um, it was nice though because I was so close to home. I, like home was only forty minutes away at the time, and so I was able to kind of you know go into school and kind of join the university community and um, built up some supports there. And I was able to like go back home, you know, on Fridays and come back on Sundays and stuff to get ready for another week and stuff. So it was it was nice for a good like I'd say solid like you know throughout my time at the U of L, I was able to kind of go back home whenever I wanted to, and it was nice to kind of um, be be close enough to be able to do that. I still had a lot of supports um from the reserve and i was able to kind of just like be my own person as well um but moving to calgary i think was was you know a, another uh stretch and another learning curve for me but just because i was a bit further away you know um like my community was is now two and a half hours away and stuff. So it's not, not as easy to go back home especially when we have the weather that we're having now um and so for many ways it was about like how can I like build community here? And so I I, um, volunteer with like a bunch of orgs in the city. Um, Most of the work that I do aside from the work that I do in theater is in finding ways to like um, just like build community. Um, And so many ways it's it's about um, chosen families in the city um, is like a huge thing for me as I think building up a community that is living here. so it's nice, it's nice that I have supports here, um, and, I, and I often find myself really relying on that chosen um, family, which I, I think support me while I'm in the city. Um, because, you know, as we know, it's, it, it can be kind of hard, you know, um, experiencing urban dis- displacement, so to speak, you know, living in the city, going from, you know, being surrounded by community and loved ones and family and, and being surrounded by all of that stuff and then kind of having to kind of do it on your own um, in, in the big yeah. city it can, can can be challenging and so I found community through the arts um, as a as a theater artist I've found community by work, working with um, native artists in the city as well as other uh, by bipoc artists other queer artists um, for me I, I I think I wouldn't feel as supported as um, as a uh, uplifted or honoured or just held um, if it wasn't for a lot of the folks that I know like in the theatre world as well. I, I, I really do think that my uh, my work as a theatre artist, I think, is what helps me feel most at home here. Um, if, if I wasn't able to do that work, if I wasn't able to interact with the folks that I'm able to interact with, I don't think I would feel as, as supported um, and uplifted. No,
0: that's amazing. And you know, before Quest, I seen you uh, when I was performing uh, at, with my old group, Young Medicine, and you were actually doing a show, uh, it had something to do. I, I can't exactly remember what it was called, but it was something to do with the residential school. And I think Olivia Tailfeathers was was a part of it, and everything. Tell us about that. And how old were you when that happened? When that when that was going on? When that uh, piece was was being made?
2: um i think the one that you're talking about might be the ugliest girl meets elvis yes
0: that oh is the one
2: God. that was like so long ago that was back in like 2013 holy um yeah it was long it was almost 10 years ago yeah so that that was actually like the first uh professional theater show that i ever did uh ramona Bighead and her uh, son the late carl brave rock they were the ones who wrote it together Um, and then Ramona produced it and then Carl directed as well as acted in it and um, yeah it was it was a play about you know how uh, the students at the time um, who were in these schools how they used humor as a means to heal Um, and so there's um, someone in the play uh, who dressed up as Elvis to kind of um, you know make everybody all keep keep all the students spirits high um, as, as well as just dealing with you know all that stuff as well and it, it's it's really um unique i think about how we did that play 10 years ago and even today um we're still um we're we're still going through some of those themes you know what i mean like it's 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 so odd to to think about like we um we don't think about how um a lot of that intergenerational gen- trauma um, is still you know being explored and still being um still finding ways to heal heal from that like i know that i was exploring that almost 10 years ago and now we're still doing that to this day it just you know shows you how it how big the impact is and how how long it takes to unpack that as well um yeah so at the time you know i did did that play ramona um wrote it with with her son and it was about like as i said how these students use humor as a means to heal and um and that was a huge thing for, for for me as well like knowing that like these are some of the things that my own grandparents, um, you know, had to deal with as well. And and, and the fact that I was able to kind of honor those experiences through art, through theater, I um, I remember just being a really, really awesome experience. I got to um, do the play with a bunch of other young actors as well. Um, I met one of my really good friends, Maya, on that show. Maya um, actually played the uh, uh, ugliest girl. It's, it's so weird, um, you know, calling someone the ugliest girl when, when you're so beautiful. But, like, that, <laughs> th- th- that was a thing in the play where, like, um, you know, she was a new student and um, all the older girls would call her ugly because she was new and all that stuff as well. But, uh, but in real life, she's so beautiful um, but yeah, no, we, we met on that show, um, back in 2013 and we've been friends ever since and stuff. I actually lived with her, um, towards the end of, uh, my time at the UofL. Um, but yeah, that, that for me, I think was the very first, um, professional show that I did. I, I, I was acting in school plays and stuff, but that was the first time I got a paycheck. Um, and we <laughs> performed at, at the Empress, which was nice. Um, and yeah, really, I it's it's so interesting to think about like the first time I got paid to um, do a show was um, a show that I think honoured where I came from and honoured my own grand, grandparents as well. It just, uh, it, it, it's nice that I think I was able to do that. I um, don't often think about, uh, you know, that show just because it was so long ago, but it's nice that uh, you saw it and that you uh, enjoyed yourself. Because yeah, since then I've been, wanting to kind of just explore some of that stuff as well. And so um, I also did another version, which was more, um, more, uh, that explored, I think, more closer of the impacts of that. Like, whereas the Aglias Girl was more about, like, what it was like growing up in that school. I also worked with making Treaty 7 on a different um, iteration of um, understanding what the impact of the Treaty 7 signing was. Um, And that kind of had, that was more of, like, an exploration throughout the time of, like, that school like more into like the signing and then like the impacts it has um on us today and and then uh from there we did the quest show we did um uh the we're all treaty Pe- Pe- people show and so it just kind of um that thing about i think always doing plays that kind of honor where i come from and honor the stories that don't often get told mm-hmm.
0: um, it just
2: it just it I, I just always seem to find myself um there as well and i and i think um that's how I use theater as a tool to teach. That's that's how I use me performing in these uh, schools as a, as a tool to teach. I think I'm much better useful here than I think I would have been in a classroom setting, um, yeah. having to <laughs> teach about math and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs>
0: No, definitely. And it's, you know, like the the Quest show was was, was definitely a, a great time. And, you know, I had been on tour with, with bands and stuff before, but I had never been on tour with, you know, a group of actors and, and traveling to many different schools and, you know, us sharing a room and stuff. This guy said, I needed a witch doctor.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you did. <laughs>
0: And we were talking about like, we should have our own sitcom in Toronto. Yeah. It was pretty, uh, it was, it was quite the experience there. Hey. Eh?
1: That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I got a question. You said you were, you're a drag artist as well. We've never had yeah, a drag artist on Our yeah, program. So you can are you, first. So can you maybe give us a little insight into the community and are there a lot of indigenous drag artists out there and just, Give us a little bit of a rundown of what's going on, because you know, not a lot of, not a lot of our uncles are too familiar with the drag community. So, yeah, you I would mean, be teaching
0: <laughs> us these yeah. two uncles on this show. You would be totally teaching us from yeah. ground zero. So, go ahead and uh, let us so
1: us feel free to talk to us like children. <laughs>
2: um. Well, first of all, I'm right. Um, just really honored uh, to be your first drag queen on the artist. It's Woo! um. It's 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 not my uh, my first time being someone's first. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I've I started drag like back in 2016. So I've been doing it now for about six years. I uh, I go by the name Mavis Von Trees. Um. It's so funny because when I was really young, um, you know, on 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 the reserve, my my grandma used to work at um the college next to my school, and so like. Um, when I would, cause I would get, get out of school at like three fifteen or 3, 20, when, when, whenever it was, but then she wouldn't get off work till like four 30 or five. So I would like go and bug her. So I would, um, like, like prank call her when I was done school. I'd be like, like, hello Joyce, this is my, my, my best holding. I just like would call her and, you know, have these different like weird names and accents and stuff. Um, and she like knew it was me. At least I think she, she did. Um, so the name Mavis actually comes from like, um when I would just like call my grandma and like prank call her and just like have a good time and then I would go and like visit her at her office and like help out with like whatever she wanted to help with or just to like sit there and be quiet as she typed like I just really enjoyed spending time with her and so when I think about like my drag persona Mavis is all about like being you know a granny chic model like someone who really you know is obsessed with old Hollywood and everything that the old grannies and um stuff do and so yeah, I've been doing drag since 2016. Um, a lot of what I do, as I said, is like, you know, in honoring of like old Hollywood, very that. Um, but also like doing like Broadway stuff as well as like a theater queen, I do a lot of Broadway songs. Like you typically won't find me doing anything by like Brit Britney Spears or Lady Gaga or any of those. I'm more so about like the old Hollywood glamour and like, you know, Broadway. I love to do broad Broadway songs and stuff like that as well. Um, and at the time i was just like i'm just doing this cuz this is fun like um drag is a chance for me to free the feminine like i've 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 been uh, very as i said, very extra since i was a child very very femme and stuff and so like i would um i would do lip lip syncs in my living room i actually won my very first lip lip sync for your life when i was like like 8 or 9 um in the living room i you know did a lip sync to Avril Lavigne's why do you gotta make things so complicated um <laughs> and I won and I was so proud of yeah. that um and ever since then I was just like I've just loved to like lip lip sync and be wild and funny and um yeah just like use it it's it's another tool for me to like tell stories and and another tool for me um just to like teach folks to be more inclusive um I am two-spirit and and, and as a two-spirit drag queen it's uh it's nice that I get to uh you know be a body in the room and um and just kind of find ways to share my story um up until recently I, I i've always felt like whenever i was in a in a um in like a queer space um with a bunch of other queers i um i was often the only native person in that room and whenever i was you know back home and in native spaces i was often the only queer person in the room and so for me i was always like the only one right and so now that i'm able to like meet and interact with other folks i'm i'm, I'm realizing that there's so much beauty in, like. Creating spaces that are for Two Spirit, are for Native Queers um, to exist because I think that we often don't acknowledge those stories. as I, I think we're we're doing such a great job now with like things like you know Tik TikTok and everything that's coming out that's that's bringing folks together, um, especially being online too, uh, being on Zoom and stuff like that. Like I think having an online presence has like brought a lot of folks together, but um, it's still. It's still not really something that a lot of folks celebrate um in our own communities as well like i really wish yeah. that like folks living on the reserve um would talk more openly about being 2 spirit and expressing themselves in these ways as well because i think mm-hmm. um being able to express yourself i'm sure you folks know as like artists too like being able to express yourselves it just it makes you smile it makes your heart warm it, it, it makes your whole body just feel great like if, if we weren't able to express our art, if we weren't able to sing or dance or whatever it is that we do, like if we weren't able to do that stuff, imagine like the toll that it would take on our bodies, on our spirits, yeah. right? And so and the fact that many folks aren't able to express themselves in that way, like it just it, it just goes to show that like when when we create like a safer community where folks feel um empowered to express themselves, whether it is in a masculine or a feminine way, um, it could really do a lot to build their self-esteem. And I and and I think a lot of um a lot of the issues that that we experience on the reserve and in in the city, you know, as urban natives as well, like a lot of a lot of the issues that that we um, see and experience, I think, come from not having um, like a good Um, self-esteem. And I and I think so much about what I what I try to do is really empower folks to build self-esteem and to be confident in what they do, um, because I think that's truly how we're going to overcome so much of the stuff that we experience.
0: I think it's like it's uh, a lot of a a lot of those spaces where people are still learning. I think a lot of it stems from, you know, uh, past traumas going for coming from the residential schools, Mm -hmm. how we grew up, you know, uh, you know, how language has changed and empathy and those things. So, you know, I think like. Uh, we're all healing through our arts. We're all like providing uh, a space, like whether it's through music, through acting, you know, through, you know, modeling, whatever it is, you know, whatever that we can do to bring the community together in a safe way, I think is really important. And so tell us about your your first time performing in drag. What was your Mm -hmm. mind process? How nervous were you? What was the song and where was the place?
1: And do you have a website or something where people can check out your drag um, videos or anything like that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first time I did drag, I I remember. So I was in an acting class. I was in scene study at the U of L, and my prof at the time was a drag queen. Um, and uh, I was in the class, and we were you know pra- practicing Meisner, which is like a form of acting. It's like a um, a tool that folks could, could use when they're acting. And part of um, the Meisner activity that we were doing is what we had to like create or bring into the room some kind of activity and then create a bit of a scenario surrounding that. And so like what I brought was like make makeup that I had in like um, a stage make makeup kit and stuff that I had bought as well. Um, it was just like stuff that I brought in and then I and then the scenario that I gave to that was that I was getting ready for my first time doing drag. Um, and then just kind of exploring like some of the, um, like text and stuff like that, that, that came came along with it. Um, but after, um, because what we would do is like one by one, you would go up and do your scene, your, um, activity and your scenario, and then you would sit down and we just kind of all would, um, like all of the folks in my acting class would get up and do their thing. So when I was done, we would like offer like feedback and stuff. and, And when I was finished, my prof was like, oh, is like drag something. Um, my prof Jay. Uh, white Whitehead was like, oh, like is is, is drag something that you um, do? And I was like, and it wasn't, uh, but I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, yeah. then they were like, oh, well, then you you should come and you know do a show with us. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And I had never done drag in my life; like it was a complete lie. Aside from like you know when I was in the living room having to do a lip sync or two, but I had never done drag. I had I had never like got up in, into the full geish and did everything I just I just did it for a class assignment and then I was I just lied and I said yeah it, I love doing it um so then they put out a call because they had a show um, which at the time was called pretty witty and gay in Lethbridge at, at, at the sterndale um was ha- happening in like February I want to say um the title for that show has now changed to from pretty witty and gay to quaint, quaint, quirky, and queer, which I think is a really, really cool name as well, but at the time it was pretty witty and gay, and um, I had, I had signed up, I sent an email, and I was like, yes, I'm gonna come and do drag as Mavis Von Treese, and um, they're like, yeah, cool, pick one song, and you can come and do it, and I was like, absolutely, I picked three, um because i was like if this is my only time ever to do drag ever like (laughs) i want to make sure like i do it i do it well so i picked three songs which is two more than they asked um and i i had done so i i did um poor unfortunate souls um and so that was all you know from the little mermaid stuff it was all about like you know, kind of like becoming yourself and yada, yada, yada. And then from there, I went into, a, like I, I sang. Um, so the first song was like a lip sync. And then um, the last song I did was a lip sync as well. But the but the song that I did kind of in the middle um, was a song called Rose's Turn um, from a musical. And I sang it. I, I, I remember I was like, well, I, I just, I have to sing it. Like I, um, drag for me is, uh, it, it gives me the power to do things I don't feel comfortable doing, and like hurt we've chatted about like me singing and how I love doing it, but I'm also really really shy to do it and stuff like that. So I was like, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do drag and if this is like the one and only time I'm gonna do it, then I'm gonna just have to jump right there and do it. So I sang, I sang live for the first time um, this song, and then I went into um, uh, there are worst things I could do from from um, from Greece. And so for me, it was all about like um that performance which which was about like 10 or 11 minutes was all about like I'm this really powerful being who wants to steal energies and 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 take as much as I can from all of these young beautiful humans and 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 find that and swallow this be- beautiful energy and become this beautiful goddess yada yada and then talking about like Rose's term which is more about like um, like I've been cast aside for so long. Now it's my time to like, you know, take my mo- moment in the light and, and shine um into their worst things I could do, which is more about like, well, shit, like drag and um freeing the feminine, being a feminine body, like has has always been something, you know, that was so taboo or like frowned upon for me. And so like moving into like their worst things I could do is like, well, I could. I could do dry. I could be feminine. I could be fierce and fabulous all that stuff. But because there's, there are worse things I could do in life. Being queer um, is, is, isn't the worst thing that I, that I could do. Expressing myself in a feminine way isn't the worst thing that I could do in life and stuff. And so for me, it was about like, let me like take the space. Cause I think like so much about um, being an artist is, you know, take, taking space and holding space for others as well. But in that moment, I was like, I need to like, take space to, you know, Tell parts of my story, and that kind of went into um, writing my own play. I um, wrote a play called "Where the Two Spirit Lives," and um, that premiered in Lethbridge. Um, my prof J uh, runs a, a place called Ute's play, Playhouse, and so um, and in a theater company called Theater Utre. Um And I had done tons of drag shows at the club. Um, I had done um, they used to do mon- monthly drag shows, so when I was living in Lethbridge, I would you know do do those and. Um, when it came time for me to like come and kind of do my own show, I I, um, I I had kind of told them about it. I told, um, you know, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing the show. And it was kind of in passing because at the time I was like, let, let me just like do a bunch of songs that I love to lip sync to. And let me create a story behind those as well and find a way for them all to connect. Um, so I basically created a playlist of songs that I love to, to do. And then I wrote stories along with them and kind of weaved it all into and um it, like I'm, I'm, I'm calling it like mixtape theater. Like it was, it was something where I just, kind of created <laughs> yeah, tape. I just created a mixtape for my life, and then from there I kind of found ways to like weave it into one story. Um, and then Theater Retreat offered to produce a show, and so I, um, we were wrapping up the Quest show, um, the tour, and then I had went to Lethbridge back in, um, back in May, and I had rehearsed my show in May and put it up in June of 2019, and then, um, I was invited to a couple festivals. I went to, um uh, the Raven Transforms Cabaret, uh, in Vancouver that October, so October 2019, um, and then I was invited to a festival called Outstages in Victoria, um, so I toured it there in early 2020, and then I had, like, a whole Fringe tour planned, I, I was gonna go to Peterborough Fringe, I was gonna go to Winnipeg Fringe, Edmonton Fringe, Vancouver Fringe, um, and then obviously, you know, the blip took place, the world shut down, so I wasn't able to, so I, I had this whole, like, Fringe tour planned, um, and it just kind of, you know, didn't go anywhere. But I still have the show where the two two spirit lives, which has toured to all of these different places. We were up in Edmonton back in April. Um, we did the show up there and, and stuff. And I'm in talks to do it here as well. But um, the show for me, like it, it's it's very personal. Like I, I think like what I talk about, what I what I explore in the show, um, is basically like my my story. I I, I call it one one part mem- memoir, one part lip sync extravaganza, because that's what it is. It's me using mm-hmm. Um, the art form of being of doing drag of lip, lip syncing and telling my story um, through that uh, through that way and so it's a very personal story for me where so I'm, I'm very like um, I'm not cautious but I'm just I'm very intentional about where I do it and, and when mm-hmm. I do it it's one of those things where I'm like this is something that I that I can do it's, it's always in my back pocket but I'm very intentional about like the space that I choose to do it in because it's just a very personal story for me and I think a lot of um people who who I've known a lot of folks who are part of my chosen family in the city don't know about a lot of the experiences that I've had growing up and stuff and so when I get to do it when I get to do my show it's it's also about you know kind of uncovering a lot of those truths as well and you know opening up those wounds and stuff and so like it's it's a very personal story for myself and so I'm very that's part of the reason why I'm so like picky and choosy about like where I do it and stuff because it is like a really big deal for me like I think for a lot of folks it's like oh it's like a drag lip lip sync show but I think it's very personal for me and and how I do it and stuff and so um I don't know if that answers the question but just that like no, drag yeah. has always been made to like free the feminine and, and tell my story in a different way and I love doing it um and folks can, you know, follow me as well at Mavis Trees on Instagram. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: No, that's amazing. Cool. And, you know, uh, uh, you got to talk about, uh, you know, that's amazing that they have these places in Leftbridge, you know, because, you know, we've heard the stories about Leftbridge being, you know, racist and small town and those whole things. So what was your experience, you know, having these shows and, and and by the way I did watch the uh the reading of your show and it was it was very personal and uh you know um there was a lot of uh stories about your life that co- go in between those lip syncing uh like you call it those lip syncing uh parts of the show but yeah I can see why you say it's personal because I remember uh, you know, being there for the reading, but yeah, tell us about you know, Lethbridge and your experience there.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, Lethbridge, you know, as we know, it is like a small city, it's like, or like a big town. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so there's when I w- first was there, obviously I was like, oh, this is a brand new city. I'm, 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 I mean, it wasn't brand new because I was visiting there all the time, but living there and being there 24 seven was like a whole other story. Um, But I mean, it's one of those pl- places where because it's seen as like such a small city and because like it is considered to be a very conservative city as well. A lot of folks don't know about like the the arts community there and 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 how it like it, it, it thrives like it is a place where a lot of um, queer folks do get to thrive in many different ways um i know that like i don't think i would um i don't think that i would you know fully embrace myself as um a queer performer if it wasn't you know performing in those shows at diddy's play Playhouse once once a month or going to see shows that had queer folks on stage or told queer stories, I don't think that I that I would have been able to fully express myself in that way if I hadn't seen it. I, um and so I know it exists. Like like I know that there is a place for queer theater there in the city um, because Theater trade, you know, has 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 been up and running now for over ten years. And and I know like um, the city itself gets a bad rap for being like a small conservative city, but um, I think. The work that a lot of folks are doing and, and bringing to that area, I think, is really great because it is showing that, like, although it is small, um, it could still, you know, be as inclusive as, as as they can as well. Obviously, there's still work to be done, like anywhere, right? But um, yeah. I think the fact that like Lethbridge, Alberta, has a queer theater, and but Calgary, Alberta, doesn't have a queer theater, I think, is something to celebrate.
0: Wow! Um, yeah, And yeah, it says something about the community as well. Exactly. And you know it's it's crazy because you know um, you know growing up with what we do you know it's it's nice to see those spaces you know because uh, I lived in Leftbridge you know I lived there for five years and I was busy as as a as a as a performing artist there is a lot of work there there's a lot of work with the different communities that also surround um left bridge as well so you know i was there there for a while so one of the things that we're we're talking about on the show um you know when we speak about spaces um how important do you think it is for every major city um across turtle island to have a safe space for indigenous people to pray um not only um you know to to get together like a community center, like a friendship center like they have, but actually where we can have our ceremonies inside the city limits, sweats. We can have an insor- indoor facility uh, to have our feasts after, to have maybe funerals for people that live with inside the city that can't make it out uh, to to the land. And do you think it's important that we change our mind frame as indigenous people? To say that we need to go out, you know, onto our land. We have that space right in our cities. Well, what's your opinion on that?
2: Yeah, that's a really good um question. Um, when I when I think about the need, the desire to have places for us in the city to gather to practice ceremony, I do think that is it is something that is incredibly necessary um for us. I I think that part of acknowledging the land and and the traditional roots that it has i think is also offering spaces for stuff like that to take place um it, it's it's absolutely you know, great to be on the land and to and, and and to do these ceremonies in our home homelands and stuff but i think a huge part of taking up space is 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 letting things like this take place within the city limits as well i, I and and i also think that it allows for folks who are living in the city a chance to experience this as well because you know we think about like know some of the surrounding reserves we got we like there's always this like a notion of having to be like invited in um and a lot of folks you know don't don't get invited in and so i think being able to like bring some of these um finding ways to like introduce this knowledge for folks who are living in the city i think is absolutely necessary i think about things like smudging and and praying um in our ways i think i think of those as birthrights that like we should all have access to um but oftentimes we don't in the city because there's not a safe space for us to engage and to invite folks in that way. And so I think a huge part of like, what I think large uh, cities and small cities have to do is like dedicate a space so that native people could gather in this way and 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 make it so that it is accessible for them and and we often think about like accessible as like oh like does it have have like a ramp for like a wheelchair but we have to think about accessibility as so much more than that it's about like is this like a so sober space is is this a place where folks can bring kids Is this a place where uh folks who you know uh come from different Backgrounds will feel hear, uh, seen and heard. Is it a place that is inclusive to things like two spirit folks? Is it a place where um, the language that folks use uh, will be respected and um, and acknowledged? And, and is it a space where we can hold ourselves accountable if we do make mistakes? Right? There's so much, so much more in terms of accessibility that I think we have to think about. Um, but it, it's it's that thing where like you know, there's there's tons of public places to gather in the city and stuff but i still think we still hear stories about like our own folks who don't feel comfortable going into those places Mm -hmm. and i think a huge part of that is is because they're not acceptable or not accessible and because they're not accepting of like a bunch of other folks as well who may or may not look like them and so I, i think it's absolutely necessary to like have places um in the city where folks could come to and pray and do ceremony and gather like a huge part of you know what we do is gather um, I know that you know that has been a very uh, sensitive thing for folks in the last few years, but I think gathering—it's we 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 can't lose that aspect of gathering, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's a place to gather. I think is absolutely necessary. Um, in my own work, I I work um, I run a program called Where the Rivers Meet here um, in the city, and and it, and it's a program that aims to really uplift and honor and raise awareness and find ways for two spirit folks to connect with each other. Um, And this past uh, summer I commissioned, um, or last year around this time, I commissioned my friend Alana Bluebird to take a photo, uh, to take photos of a bunch of um, Two-Spirit folks living in in the city. Um, And then we took those photos and now we're opening up an exhibition at the Grand Theater in the bar lobby area there. And so um, trying to raise awareness, but then also in terms of like, I took those photos and I uh, invited another artist, commission another artist, Caleb Bell Belrose, to come and paint a mural at Sunnyside here in the city. And um and it was really important for me to like uh to uh to to do a mural because I think that a huge part of that is giving Native folks a chance to gather and 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 although like a mural is a nice thing for folks to look at and to take photos of and to admire, but I also think it is a really nice place for folks to gather and to bring bring their kids and and see the beauty, um, see how beautiful two spirit folks are and and um and what that work does to honor them but also to like bring them there to like have like a p- picnic and just gather and, and share space but i know it's still really hard for folks to do that because of like bylaws and everything that's all of these like sy- systemic things that have been put in place to almost like keep us at bay or you know to keep keep us confined to our own you know lands or you know our own in in our house or on the reserve and stuff i think that there's like so much that's been put in place to make sure that we can't express ourselves or that we can't like mm-hmm. each other and stuff and so i absolutely think it's necessary for folks to be able to gather especially in the city because i think we need to you know make uh, make make spaces more accessible and we need need to make spaces safer for folks to feel like they are empowered to show up and be themselves
0: No, I totally agree. And uh, you are definitely... A deadly uncle.
2: (laughs) Jeez, auntie.
0: (laughs) You're definitely a deadly auntie uncle, eh? (laughs) <laughs> no but thank you so much yes. for being on today and i know you're in rehearsal right now i don't know if you can give us some details but let us know what you're in rehearsals for and where people can check it out if you can give those details oh absolutely
2: um so currently i'm rehearsing for the Jung- jungle book at alberta theater projects Um, here in calgary the show uh, goes up during the holiday season um, on December 1st, um, and it goes until December 31st. And so we're just in rehearsals. We're heading into week two. We have about four weeks of rehearsal, and then we'll have four weeks of shows. Um, if folks want to, you know, learn more about, like, the show itself, they, they can go on to atplive.com and look up the show. It is, like, a brand-new um, adaptation of the show itself. Um, so it's really returning back to some of some of its, I'm sure we're all familiar with the cartoon and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, it is really trying to like pay homage to like the South Asian, um, life and all of that stuff, as well as, you know, a lot of these characters and, you know, how they explore life and, and law of the jungle and all, all that stuff as well. Um, I'm playing Baloo, which is nice. Um, hey, yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome! Mom, yeah, I told my mom I was like, "I'm I'm gonna be like Balu," and she started to sing like bear. Yeah, I can I can already see it.
0: I can already see it. Yeah. Um, you're gonna we're... you're gonna make it so hilarious. I'm sure it's gonna be <laughs> awesome. Do you, do you
1: buy tickets anymore because that's probably a great holiday gift. Huh? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so folks can buy tickets to? at ATPLife.com. Nice,
0: yeah. nice. Well, thank you so much, Next, Marshall. Marshall. uh Beautiful to see you once again. And I know that uh, our paths will cross soon and uh, I can't wait to see one of your shows. And uh, I hope that uh, I get to uh, see uh, your personal show uh, sometime soon as well. So thank you so much, brother.
2: Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We'll see you.
0: Hi, hi.
1: You're listening to the deadly uncle podcast,
0: a safe
2: space for deadly
0: uncle conversations.